All right, howlers, let's get howling. But first, a couple quick warnings. First warning, this podcast contains adult content. Don't be a pixie. Second warning, this podcast contains spoilers for the entire Red Rising saga. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Etsy. Email us, howlerpod at gmail.com. Visit us at howlerpod.com and rate and review us five stars only. If you don't give us five stars only, then we will hand you a set of pliers and say, pull one out. <laughs> and now, HowlerPod. Ow. Ow. They planted us in stones, watered us with pain, and now marvel we have thorns. Hello, Howlers! Welcome to HowlerPod, the one and only podcast for all things Red Rising, where every episode we dive deep to break down, celebrate, and discuss all aspects of the fantastic Red Rising saga by Howler number one, Pierce Brown. Uh I am your host, Ben Reinert. I am joined today, as always, by the amazing Aaron Ayers. Hello, hello, hello. All right, it's character study time. Who will enter the passage tonight? The passage of our in-depth scrutiny and judgment? Will they rise above the rest and be crowned prime? Or will they fall short and be disgraced henceforth? As a pixie. Who are we studying today? Lyria of Lagalos. Lyria of Lagalos. <laughs> Just to warn everyone, I cannot do an Irish accent. <laughs> we tried for a solid we five tried. minutes before we the tried. episode started. So, um, so <laughs> this episode will be accent free. <laughs> they planted us in stones. <laughs> hey, Nick. Can you do an Irish accent? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or do we have any Irish howlers? <laughs> Let's load up this star shell and shoot straight into our character backgrounds. Hopefully we don't shit our suits. Lyria of Lagalos is a red of the Gamma clan of Lagalos. She lived in the mines of Mars until she was liberated by the Republic after the Rising. Despite promises of a better life, Lyria feels that Sovereign Virginia, Al, Augustus, and the Rising have failed the people. Her nephew, Liam, is her only known remaining family member after most of her family were murdered during a raid on their encampment by the Red Hand. Her two remaining brothers and brother-in-law are, slash were, with the Free Legions on Mercury. She also serves as a first-person narrator in both Iron Gold and Dark Age. Lyria has short curly hair and brown skin. She straightened her hair while on Hyperion, but after her kidnapping by Figment, she let it set naturally. Lyria is a kind person, especially with little children. She dislikes nonsense and is very straightforward. She can be very stubborn and gets herself into trouble for being at the wrong place at the wrong time, like... All the time. <laughs> she also has a little bit of a mean streak, and she can be cruel to those around her. But she is quick to help those in need, like when Kavax was about to drown under the weight of his armor in the lake near her refugee camp. She swims to him with a dislocated shoulder and ties a rope to him to help pull him out of the water. Thanks, Lyria. 
She is nostalgic after her life in the mines, considering that life was better then when Gamma's had all the means to survive and Helldivers were heroes. She resents Darrow for most of Iron Gold and basically thinks he has betrayed his people. Eventually, she comes to understand Darrow and the Sovereign better, and after a discussion with Virginia, she lets go of her resentment. She grows. <laughs> Personal growth. Personal so growth. So obviously we meet Lyria at the camps just before the Red Hand comes and kills her entire family except for Liam. Um, this is where we see her save Kavax, like Ben just mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, it's fucking sad. <laughs> I cry every time. The shoes in the mud. Just come on, it's Pierce. very tough. Pierce, can we not... <laughs> I remember thinking that Lyria was really complainy, and then yes. I was like, her entire family got murdered. She was complainy, and on a second reread or third, you're like, oh, man. <laughs> she probably. I should not have like <laughs> talked behind her back. <laughs> so she um, is also very brave because she makes Kavax take her and Liam to, Lu- to Luna. She's like, you will take me as a member of your crew, yeah. your household, basically. And she serves as a valet for House Telemannus. Um, And then once she gets to Luna, we know she gets scammed by Ephraim slash Felipe. I miss Felipe. <laughs> she takes his EMP necklace on the Telemannus ship. It blows and the ship falls and everyone gets killed or kidnapped. And she gets kidnapped along with the kids, uh, Pax and Electra. She escapes from the Duke of Hands and the Obsidians. She gets picked up by Holiday, gets interrogated, has her heart-to-heart with Mustang, and helps Holiday convince Ephraim to get those kids back. And then she's kidnapped again (laughs) by Figment, the brown with the needle, and um, she gets taken to Victra's ship. Then she's hanging out slash being tortured in a sensory room by Victra. And Victra's like, you didn't solve the puzzle, you dumb (laughs) red. Um, This is where she writes letters to her pen pal slash Volga. And they become friends over time. Kind of a weird friendship here. Mm -hmm. At first hesitant, but then grows when um, Victra's ship is attacked by the Askamani and <laughs> when the Askamani attack, they escape with Victra and Figmentum. Fig, she dies, and that's when Lyria gets the parasite. Slash becomes a superhero. <laughs> uh, from there, they hang out in the forest, frolicking. They go to the Red Hand Village. <laughs> frolicking. <laughs> Not quite. Victra has her baby. It gets killed. R.I.P. Ulysses. Very sad. Victra and Volga get captured and they get taken to the Red Hand base. And Lyria's like, what the fuck am I supposed to do? And she's like, I got this. I'm a Red. I'll just infiltrate this base. She fires up all the ladies that are also being held prisoner there. Also, she has secret acid poison teeth. (laughs) And uh, they all get revenge on their captors. They break out with their acid teeth and they... Break out Victor and Volga. I feel like that story alone could be a whole movie. For sure. That sequence. Yeah. That whole like red hand village yeah, situation. Yeah. Infiltrating and yeah. spitting acid. 
And then Pax and Ephraim show up and they help finish the red hand off. And so we get this big reunion. And don't forget who dies. <laughs> that bitch Harmony. And Harmony gets killed as a result. Oh, wait, don't forget. She's still alive with pit viper babies in her belly. That's true. Um, and then F goes off to mess with Volsung Fa and he dies. And Volga is like, I, okay, I'm going to go with Volsung Fa to solve this problem. And then Lyria is sent by Pax to the Oculus, and we think it's to get her parasite fixed. But knowing Pax, he's probably going to send her to her death. <laughs> You're still mad about that, I'm huh? I'm mad at Pax. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so that's Lyria's story. As of now, she's on her way to the Oculus to get that parasite. She's in flight. Fixed. I believe so. This is a long trip. It's going to be probably about a two-year trip, right? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> right, Pierce? Is it about two years? <laughs> we'll see. All right, let's talk historical connections from our wise and wonderful researcher, Heather. Heather! A woman's name, Lyria, is the feminized form of the ancient Greek lyre, like the instrument. Uh, a staple of classical antiquity, this musical instrument bridged stark differences between gods, fostering harmony instead of inter-theological strife. On the first day of his life, baby Hermes was inspired to invent the lyre and steal Apollo's sacred cows, among numerous other whimsical things. Mm. To placate Apollo's fury, Hermes gifted him the lyre, which in turn became Apollo's sacred instrument and a symbol of his power. This potentially catastrophic exchange ultimately establishes a unique connection between the two sons of Zeus, expressed through the concept of sophrosyne, or balance through moderation. Precocious in the realm of trickery and negotiation, Hermes served as a moderating force in the marketplace, establishing fair trade. Apollo, on the other hand, reigned supreme over music and poetry, oral in nature, and thus demanding metered rhythm. As the lyre represents the manifestation of this divine bond, it itself is a vital moderating force, mm. the ripple effects of which forever alter the Greek pantheon. While she clearly struggles to achieve sophrosyne in iron gold as demonstrated through her misdirected anger and inability to prioritize, Lyria truly rises to the challenges set before her throughout Dark Age. Compounding sass, wit, and bravery, Lyria dons the deeper meaning behind her name, delivering unexpected alliances and victories. Nice. She goes on to say, while Google has done its best to merge Logolos with Legolas, I was able to discover the etymological breakdown of the name. Among other translations, laga principally means wake or price, while in this case the suffix los appears to be a syncopated form of the Latin demonstrative pronoun ilos, meaning those people. Logalos, therefore, means the wake or price of the people. The second Red Rising trilogy forces readers and characters alike to critically weigh the consequences of revolution and the destitute condition of the Lagalos people in what has become an underfunded and poorly regulated refugee camp brings the unimaginable expense of supporting the newly freed into devastating relief. Finally, a huge part of Lyria's initial disdain for the Republic's liberation efforts stems from the fact that she grew up as a member of the favored Gamma clan. We're all familiar with the strategy of oppression. A house divided against itself cannot stand will never revolt. However, 
It's significant that the red clan names are in fact just Greek letters. This taxonomical choice could allude to Pierce's take on the Greek system, that individual fraternities and sororities are so preoccupied out competing each other for outdated measures of glory and self-worth that they never stop to address the inherent racism and misogyny of the system itself. Sharp critique from Heather today. I bet Pierce does do that. I like it. Heather well, again with the great <laughs> historical <laughs> connections. Well done, Heather. Thank you. Man, my vocabulary <laughs> has expanded this season. <laughs> For sure. Not only are we learning things about these characters, but we're learning new words at the same time. And I'm learning how to like say hard <laughs> things out loud. <laughs> Thank you, Heather. <laughs> All right, let's move on to our legacy segment, and let's talk Lyria's legacy. All I right, mean, Lyria. She's kind of controversial, right? And she's even controversial, I think, within ourselves. Because both of us like hated Lyria. I did not enjoy her first time around. And then I was I was kind of embarrassed at first when I like I was like, oh wait, I think I actually like her. I was embarrassed for myself for like judging her so harshly. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't have that kind of shame. <laughs> but it's more like, oh, I don't want to tell Ben that I like Lyria now because I like I hated her so much and I was so adamant about hating her. Oh yeah. So I wanted to explore like why. Why was this like a lot of people's first take on Lyria, especially, seems to be she sucks. And it seems to be like there's still a group of people out there like don't really like her. And I always question how have they read all the books? Because that changes, sure. obviously, everyone's. Pre- and not only have you read all the books, have you reread all the books? Yeah, it does help to reread. Because that also book. changes my. And I'm not saying your original perspective is wrong, but as all of you who have reread all the books right (laughs) (laughs) you know that like you you miss some things and you you pick up a lot more so i think you know step one the reason people didn't like her um is she's she's a whiner and like she's she's like in a dark place and you don't want to be in that dark place with her right um yeah i was going to list out some of the reasons i think that people maybe are annoyed with her i think and you touched on the biggest one i think early on her tone is like especially can sound pretty whiny at times and not and it, it's like understandable obviously her whole family got murdered and you're like oh man that sucks but then it kind of lasts longer than you want to read as a reader sure you're like okay let's go and you've got to come in you got to think about what your mindset is coming into reading iron gold especially coming off reading the first trilogy. So imagine you just mowed through Red Rising, Golden Sun, Morningstar, and you're like, oh, great, there's a fourth book. Let's go. I'm ready to check this out, and I love Darrow. He's my favorite character. And then, you know, five chapters in, you get this narrator switch, and it's Lyria, and she's like, Darrow's a piece of shit. (laughs) (laughs) You know? (laughs) And you're like, excuse me? I don't care that your family got murdered, bitch. So that's a tough thing. So also, I think also we we've been um we've been groomed by Darrow to hate gammas. Right. And she's a fucking gamma. She is a gamma. We've talked about that. She's stealing laurels, man. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So I think there's that jarring switch from single point of view with Darrow to the multiple point of views. And then you're seeing a point of view that is critical of our main characters that we love so much. 
I can speak to the audiobook. I was also going to throw this out there. I feel like that contributed to some people a lot, right? So if you if you've listened to the audiobook, you know that the original Lyria like read very slowly, which kind of like compounded the sadness. <laughs> and so like I would speed up I'm her voice and then like, you know, Lysander's voice was like faster, so I have to slow him back down yeah. to normal. And basically you, we get three books of just TGR who's amazing at everything. And then all of a sudden we get this um, narrator who who's very talented and does a great like pseudo Irish accent, which I cannot do. But <laughs> she she just like kind of reads slowly, and it right. was it got it was annoying. So um, I like the new Dark Age narrator. Yeah, there was a switch right between much better the two books. Um, and I don't like that they switch because that also like fucks with your brain because you're <laughs> like, wait, who is this? This isn't Leary anymore. Um, especially. As you know, Lysander's voice changed like significantly, and that I even though like people didn't like Lysander in Iron Gold, mm-hmm. the switch was like too extreme. I mean, that threw me th- for a loop. Gotcha. Anyways, I digress. But the audiobook did not help Lyria out in Iron Gold at all. Right. So yeah, it's like all of these things are contributing to. Um, they're like strikes against her, basically. But she's just an extremely important character and especially an extremely important character when you think about kind of like what is the thesis of the second trilogy? Like why did Pierce write this in the first place? The whole point of the second series is to kind of show you what happens after happily ever after, what happens after the war is won. And he wanted to explore that idea. And it's extremely critical that we get this perspective on the war and on our main characters on the rising in order to understand what Pierce is trying to show us in this second trilogy and like what his point is for writing this. Um, She provides us with a a low color viewpoint we've never really had before. Uh, We knew what it was like for red colors before the rising and during the rising but not after. But we don't know what it's like after. And and guess what? It sucks. <laughs> yeah, it's not sunshine and roses, that's for sure. Not good job, <laughs> Darrow and Virginia. <laughs> but w- from from our perspective, we understand like why this has happened. It's tough to like manage a solar system wide war, especially when you've also, got also it's it's Harmony's fault. That bitch Harmony. Yeah, you've got a Senate like working against you. They're um, not supporting the war effort but you kind of have to like win the war before you can start helping all these citizens out. But it's like taking a really long time because your opponents are extremely tough. So it's just an extremely complicated scenario. Yes. And Lyria gives us that viewpoint that we haven't seen before, which is one that's kind of critical of our heroes. And it's, it's extremely important for explaining just like what, what's going on with the second trilogy. It's also even before she becomes an integral part of the storyline um, regarding our main characters. Like, I think it's very important that we see kind of the darker side of Darrow's new freed worlds so that we kind of have feelings of like, oh, maybe it was better right. before. And, and we, we kind of question what Darrow's doing. I think it it's important to not just be 100% like, he's the best, we have to win. Sure. And that makes kind of our antagonist for the second series, which is probably going to be Lysander, um, that makes his case stronger when you see stuff like this, like 
is this the correct way to manage, you know, billions of lives or did they have a point? I'm not saying they did. I'm just saying it does make your mind question that type mm-hmm. of thing. And it uh, allows Lysander's character to have a better effect as well. What we get out of all of this, and once you kind of get to know Lyria better. Yeah. And you finish Dark Age and reread it. Yeah. She she becomes this like really great portrait of a determined, like caring, passionate, fiery character. And, and she also, you see her grow even more out of her mind self. Yeah. Like the minds. Yeah. Into her freed self. Yeah. She really grows into herself as a human being and as a woman. It's really cool to see her journey in that way, too. Um, and just see her building her own confidence and um, supporting herself and just being like, I'm going to take care of myself. I can do this myself. And Liam. Yeah, exactly. And and that's extremely important as well as like what's important to her. It's protecting her nephew. And she literally like gives him a way better life. He gets his he vision gets back. Eyesight. <laughs> he gets to go to school. Uh, like it's all great. kinds of stuff. So food. <laughs> she like completely, she completely accomplishes her goal at the beginning of iron gold there when she does all that for herself personally she really grew on me she's like one of my favorite characters now same um it's crazy i really really enjoyed her journey throughout dark age i understood her so much better i saw her for what she was and i just like i actually like admire her like mm-hmm. just and and especially I admire her journey. She would whine about it in those first five <laughs> chapters of hers, you know. Yes. But then she like overcame that. She's like, I'm not going to do this anymore. Right. I'm going to keep solving my own problems. She goes from being terrified of everything and not really being able to fight to even before she knows what Figment is, she goes and saves an obsidian and a iron gold. Like, right. do you think you know the little rabbit that we met? Uh, at, in Iron Gold, like, would ever imagine doing something like that? Like, yeah. it's it's crazy how much confidence and determination and just, like, she, like, stops giving a fuck. She's like, I'm going to do <laughs> what I think is right. I know. Let's go. And she's been faced with that a whole bunch of times. She could have given up so many different times. Like, she's being chased by obsidians. And uh, when she's escaping the Duke and, like, she's injured <laughs> and... Um, is trying to find her way back home easily could have just given up and you know said I'm out tapped out she never did she keeps fighting for herself she keeps fighting for her brother Liam and like we said she gave him a much better life like she literally saved him Um, and she's really has become especially by the end of Dark Age like the strong woman that was always inside of her Um, I think this is really personified by her pulling her own teeth out That to me, like, that is an incredible act of sheer force of will. Right. You know? Like, yeah, like, going, even, (laughs) like, dressing up and acting like one of the Reds. I mean, that's terrifying in itself. Yes. But no, she's, like, has acid teeth. (laughs) Yeah. She has to pull out multiple teeth with pliers. I think that's just such a great illustration of her character and the will that this character has. Like, someone who has enough determination to pull their own teeth out with pliers what can they not do if they put their mind to something you know i don't think any like nothing will hold them back at that point um and we are lucky to have lyria in the upcoming book because i think that she will save lives 
especially Volga. Yeah. And I think she might even like save the fucking universe. <laughs> well, that's the thing now too, is she was always the small red. She never had the physical gifts. She had like the intangibles and she had the passion. She had the determination. She had the force of will, but now her physical gifts are matched with those intangible gifts. And now she can actually like have an effect. And so I think and she's kick ass. Yeah, she's like that's gonna be make her, I feel like, a force to be reckoned with in book six. I hope so. And um just seeing this character's growth throughout the two books has just been really awesome. I know we say this all the time, but it's just what Pierce does with these characters and the arcs that he gives them, and you truly get actual character development. It's not like you're getting a cardboard cutout all the way through. Um we start from a place where we really don't like characters like Ephraim or Lyria when they right. first show up to they're some of our favorite characters in the entire story by the end of it. Both of them. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I'm glad Lyria is still alive. <laughs> <laughs> like the more I talk about it, the more I just like really enjoy her as a character. Yeah, um, I do. I do want to know. I haven't seen a lot of hate for Lyria now that Dark Age is out. I want to know if, like, anyone didn't kind of switch their views. Right. I mean, she does seem to, like, I follow the message boards and the Facebook groups and uh, the Reddit and stuff. And I feel like she is one of the characters that does kind of get singled out sometimes as a character to get ragged on. But it's been less so. I, and I think you're right. Just, like, since Dark Age, mm-hmm. it does change a lot of your feelings about her. I probably would have participated in some of those conversations after. Oh, I definitely did. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, you ready to move on to predictions and fan casting? Aaron, who are we fan casting for Lyria? Okay, so all you Hunger Game fans, Amanda Stenberg is originally Rue mm. in the Hunger Games movies. She's like super petite, gorgeous, dimples to die for. Mm-hmm. Um, and she is. She can do, like, the pretty cute stuff, but she's also, like, super raw and can play, uh, you know, heart torn out and also fierce and, like, a fighter. She's got it all. She's great for Lyria. She, uh, I most recently saw her in The Hate You Give, which was a great movie from 2018 about police brutality. Mm. And that's where you see kind of all her different sides. Huge range. Yeah. Very small body, huge range. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's a perfect casting. And I I thought she was perfect, and then I tried to like pick another one, and I couldn't because she's just too perfect. We'll stick with that one. I love it. Boom. Right. You're, you're cast. <laughs> we, we've casted you. Do you have any predictions for Lyria then? Um, I predict that she is going to get her figmentum fixed and then she's going to be all pew, 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 and go in and pew, pew, pew. You and hear people like walking around corners. And oh, yeah. And she's going to um, team up with Volga and kill Volsung Fa. And then Volga is going to become Queen of the Obsidians. <laughs> and Figment will be her knife. Nice. I think this you? is one prediction we share because I feel the same way. I feel like Volga is going to go ahead. She's going to get in. With Volsung Fa, Lyria is going to go get her parasite fixed. And then she's going to like sneaky, sneaky into the whole obsidian situation 
and her and Volga are going to team up. To what's what's going to happen with all the Askamani? They're going to follow Volga. The Askamani? Yeah. Or are they going to float off? Oh, all the weird space monsters? Yeah, Askamani. We're probably going to have to kill them. Yeah, we're yeah. going to have to kill them. We're going to put them out and let them float around in space gonna for eternity. Need a lot of acid teeth. And they can bump into... <laughs> They can bump into random ships <laughs> out out frozen in space. They can survive space though. But for how long? Uh, I don't know. I feel like Maybe we're we're set. Food. We're set on our prediction. Yeah. And we're set on our fan casting. I think we're ready to finish the series and to have a TV <laughs> show. That's true. We are prepared. But first, let's move on to the prime five. Which is our top five best character moments for Lyria. The rabbit. You want to take the first one? So, um, first best moment, we see Lyria stepping um, out from the crowd in the mines, or the post mines, and she's the one who takes action and saves Kavax's life. And she's looking around at these grown red men who are much stronger than her and who aren't injured, and she's like, fuck these, you know, comatose people i'm gonna save this guy who's clearly fighting the red hand for us so um she gets him out and then she's like has to swim ties a rope yeah and then she also is like the one trying to get him out of his suit you know pounding on it and shit everybody else is gonna let him die we would have lost kavax in that moment and everyone's so apathetic that they're just standing there like i guess we're gonna get killed by the red hand and just like waiting for death to come and lyria's like Dude, we gotta get this guy out so we can <laughs> blast them all away. Right. So this is like uh, one of those great traits of Lyria that we love to um, talk about. She's willing to help people even when she doesn't know them, even when she has really no reason to, uh, other than it's like the right thing to do. Right. That just personifies who Lyria is, and and then we get an example of another great trait here on number four on our top five, and that's when she demands. Kavax, take her and Liam to Luna. This is that determination and that fire that she has that we all love to see. And this is such a great moment because you're just like not going to take no for an answer. You right. know? Like and even, <laughs> um, so this is obviously where we see Xana in right. her one moment. We talked about her during the Telemannus Yes, pod. she yeah. gets one opinion piece. <laughs> and she's that, like a dick. She's <laughs> like, we don't want this little rat. She could be a spy. And then, you know, Kavax does the magic jelly beans yes. trick, we which the, always works. Yep, we get the, the magic jelly beans. And right before this is when we get that great line with Kavax and where he goes and sees Liam and thanks uh, Lyria for saving his life and then consoles her about her family dying. And she uh, takes up all that pent-up rage and she's just like, no, you're going to take me along. I'm going to do this. And this is that first moment where we see her taking agency over her own story and just being like this is what i'm gonna do and you're gonna take me you're gonna fucking take me <laughs> did we talk about this in the telemannus episode where kavax gives her that like yeah we did the whole speech about like i know your family died yep oh man it's heartbreaking it's so nice <laughs> yeah <laughs> some of the best lines in that entire book right there amazing yep some great relationships forming here. Uh, number three, we got the escape from the Duke and his obsidians. This is true rabbit here. This is when Ephraim 
comes in with the kids. Yeah. Lyria's in like the trunk is what I see it as. Like yep. they're in a van, a minivan <laughs> in my head. They're in, basically in like in a car, the, in the a future car. A, yeah. And they're in a big garage, like a big <laughs> hangar. And then she um, knocks over like a wrench when she's running out. These obsidians are chasing her. She jumps into an air duct, into a shaft, and like goes out to the street. Right. She has to <laughs> shoot someone with the <laughs> omnivore. She's like so many levels down in Luna. Right. So, yeah, then she has to crawl her way up through the mucks of the ghetto and come out into the light. Yep. And, uh, and then she gets captured by Holiday. <laughs> but this is great because, first of all, if she doesn't do this... She doesn't make this escape. We never find Ephraim. We never find Ephraim. We never find the kids, really. Right. You know, until they're, like, brought up as ransom, basically. Ephraim probably, like, finally kills himself. (laughs) (laughs) And then we never find the kids. (laughs) But uh, it's another just testament to her determination. She's, like, extremely injured. Oh, I didn't even think about this. She's wearing a little tuxedo. (laughs) (laughs) The Duke was uh, working... For Lilith. Yeah. So I bet the kids would have gotten like fucking mind melted or cooked in a wolf or something, (laughs) you know? I mean, they would have been held on to for a while, but yeah, it would not have ended well. It would not have ended. I mean, it still isn't ending great, but like (laughs) it would have been like way worse. (laughs) Yes, for sure. I mean, Electra would definitely get body parts cut off. Yeah. But this is kind of, remember when we talked about Lysander walking through the desert? This is Lyria's walking through the desert moment. You know, she's like, I'm not going to put up with this shit anymore. She's just, I'm going to, I'm determined to get back to to the top of Luna and I'm going to turn myself in and I'm going to make this right, you know, because I fucked up. Yes. How is that Lysander's moment? It's like when Lysander's walking through the desert and he realizes, you know, he has that whole situation where he's like finding himself. And then he comes out of the desert, like, steeled. He's, like, a different person, you know? Yes. So this is Lyria. This is her test. And she... This is her 40 days and 40 nights. Yeah, she makes it through. Like Jesus. The other way. And then after this, she's, like, a changed person. Yes. Um, For the better. A little bit tougher. For sure. So the next item on the Prime 5 list. Number two. Very important moment. And this is kind of a series of moments, but she gets the parasite. Figmentum. And she becomes kind of a freelancing assassin at this point. Well, a broken version. Yeah, like a broken version of freelancing assassin. And not quite fully functioning <laughs> assassin. But this is when we get like a Lyria level up. She can start to... Yeah, exactly. She gets <laughs> So she doesn't get like the penguin suit, but she... She gets like the ice power. Yeah, definitely which, has like, ice powers now. It like works most of the time, but like right. it's no firepower. It's and no, it's no definitely not. It's not like the squirrel. <laughs> you know? This is true. Her getting the parasite, just like a huge important moment. Obviously, that starts to give Lyria some some skills, some quote unquote skills at this point. I just want to let everyone those were Mario. Those were Mario references. references. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what people think. Super Mario Brothers on Wii, correct? No, this was on the Switch. On the Switch. Well, most recently. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I I had them all. You I'm not saying I spoiled, but got you. <laughs> <laughs> I always have Mario <laughs> or Crash Bandicoot. <laughs> fuck, I fuck with Crash Bandicoot, man. I love that game. I love that game. 
Crash Bandicoot 2 and the time traveling one was dope too. Um, we should stop recording and go play Crash <laughs> Bandicoot. <laughs> <laughs> okay, number one on the Prime 5 is Acid Teeth <laughs> mainly like pulling her own tooth out. Because I can't even begin to imagine doing that. Oh, hell no. I can barely sit still at the dentist when they're doing little scrapies <laughs> on my teeth. I had a root canal once, and it was uncomfortable. Um, And they numb you. Yeah. yeah. I cannot imagine pulling my own teeth out with pliers. But yeah, number one moment is kind of this whole situation. It's obviously the acid teeth, but the whole red hand infiltration jailbreak. We, <laughs> we kind of touched on it a little bit earlier. Larry gets captured more than once and still manages to get out of here she even gets her fingers smashed right yeah by harmony with a little hammer it's all fucked up like you're pulling your teeth out you're getting your fingers (laughs) smashed it's not a great day i think what stands out most about this moment is the way that she galvanizes those other red girls oh she's totally a leader yeah because she is those girls Mm -hmm. and she was those girls and she can be like hey I know exactly how you feel. I know that you just want to give up and live your life. But guess what would be better? If we murdered everybody. (laughs) How about that? That's such a great point. She does see herself in them. And the way that she's able to rally them, the way that she's able to lead them, the way that she's able to convince them to take this on, something that they would really never consider, but through like her force of will, her personality... Um, her own determination she's able to pass that on to all these other girls and they find it within themselves because they're capable of it too obviously yeah they just need someone to give them permission right because they have the rage they just don't have a direction for it until she's like here's a plan we're gonna spit acid (laughs) first seduce the man who's gonna rape you and then spit acid in his face <laughs> or on other parts of his body. Uh, and yeah, this is this is how much Lyria has changed. She would be one of those girls at the beginning of Iron Gold. I mean, may, I mean, maybe she even. No, she I'm just saying she would be like kind of, of cowed like that. For sure, you know? for sure. You know, and like following along. Um, obviously, she's fight. She's fiery still at the beginning of Iron Gold and probably would have tried to fight back. But there is a degree of her just accepting her situation. Oh, for sure. At the beginning of Iron Gold. And so the fact that she's not going to accept that any longer and then finds all these other girls that are in a similar situation and then uses that to help them find their own agency and um, break themselves out. It's like there's nobody that really helped them do that. It's like it's just these red girls like cause this entire breakout with acid yeah of course they get to victor and victor goes nuts but like that never happens in the first place if if these red girls don't take the initiative and don't decide to put their own lives on the line which is what lyria convinced them to do which is incredible and we get to kill harmony (laughs) (laughs) and then yeah to cap that entire situation off it ends with harmony's death so Prime five, number one. <laughs> exactly. Prime five, number one. All right, let's move on to Prime or Pixie. Did Lyria survive the Hallerpod passage of in-depth scrutiny and judgment? Let's find out. Let's go to the Hallers. 
We got a lot of emails this time around. Howler's turn out. Our first email is from Daniel. Okay, he says, I won't lie and say I'm not still mixed up about Lyria. Dark Age was a wild ride from start to finish. The battle scenes were A+, and the politics rivaled those of Golden Sun, but some weird shit was added in the mix, and I'm mentioning the Abomination and the Parasite. I don't know why I'm still unsure how I feel about the Parasite. It's not so far-fetched in the universe of star shells, genetic modifications, and carved beasties, but I kind of like how real, quote-unquote, this story felt before. The genetic modifications on humanity just pushed the limit of what a person could do. I can believe with the right amount of fuckery that a man could easily lift 500 pounds or be able to heal a bit faster than normal. They just don't feel like they were superheroes, just superhuman, if that makes sense. With the parasite being broken, Lyria has still shown abilities that make me question what she could actually do if the parasite was working properly. As it is, she's already able to track sea and darkness, thermal vision, and various other auditory modifications. When it's fixed, I don't believe I'm wrong in saying she could be the perfect operator. My prediction is that she will go to Oculus and meet Quicksilver. There in the city, in space, she will see colors of all sorts with modifications that equalize the races. But I feel that there is a dark secret that Quicksilver has that Lyria will get caught up in. Maybe once the parasite is fixed, she will lose her free will. I don't know. I just think that Lyria may kill Quicksilver to get back to Volga and Victra. I would like to see the girls back together again. I need another the boys moment with our favorite trio of gals because they really do it the best. <laughs> I think I would like to see Millie Bobby Brown act as her. I think that's her name. She's in Enola Holmes and Stranger Things. I don't believe she'll ever be tall, and I feel with some practice she could pull off an accent that doesn't sound like a tire driving over gravel in the <laughs> rain. <laughs> Looking at you, Iron Gold Lyria. She was terrible to listen to, <laughs> as for we talked about. Sure. <laughs> he says, I'll give her prime for now because of her help with the prison in Volga and Victra, but I wouldn't be surprised in the next book she was an eh character. I like the prediction that there could be some shady things going on at the Oculus that Lyria might have to investigate. That sounds pretty fun. Like, that's where she kind of learns how to use her James Bond Mission Impossible. Her new figmentum abilities. Jason Bourne. (laughs) (laughs) Inspector Gadget. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Daniel. That was a good one, Daniel. Thank you. Next email is from Stephanie from a galaxy far, far away. Low Howlers, I had to do some thinking about Lyria. It's easy to see her as a pixie for many reasons. She's got a temper and she was easily manipulated by Ephraim. Though, in her defense, she was mourning her family and very lonely. Overall, in Iron Gold, she doesn't have any agency. In Dark Age, she was giving up when she was being held in Victor's playroom. It isn't until she gains Figment that she levels up. Boop, boop, boop. (laughs) (laughs) I love when she leads the girls to fight the Red Hand. That was badass. Yes, it was. I also love the evolution of her relationship with Volga and Victra, I could go on and on about how I love that part of Dark Age, but I should just get to the point. I do think Lyria is prime. She stood up to Kavix and Xana, and that got her nephew off of Mars. Can you just picture this tiny red girl speaking her mind to two giant golds like the Telemannus? That takes guts. 
But the thing that really makes her prime is how she loves and cares for her nephew, Liam. But the thing that really makes her prime is how she loves and cares for her nephew, Liam. Lyria keeps the promise she made to her sister. She goes back to the sovereign to confess because she doesn't want him to grow up thinking she's a terrorist and living with that shame. That's just so beautiful and honorable. Omnisphere Lufus, Stephanie. Thank you, Stephanie. Lyria is prime rabbit was the was the title all right that's two votes for prime let's move on to our next email it's from the voice of cassius and the voice of ephraim and maybe some voices in the future we'll talk i need to know if he's coming back well yeah we'll get him back he's at the end of his email here he said still happy to read yeah let me know okay you have to read this whole email (laughs) in an accent All right, it's from Nick Brenlow. He says, I've gone back and forth on this, but I think that Lyria is ultimately prime. A lot of fans dislike this character, seeing her as whiny, and I can see their point. Through a large section of Iron Gold, she seems to be merely swept along by events. However, I think that this is deceptive, as from the beginning, she is shown as being capable of decisive action. But put simply, she's interesting as she shows us a path to prime a path to prime a path to prime next on the history channel <laughs> she chooses to follow her brother and witness his execution by the red hand thereby giving her family advance warning of their threat while she ultimately fails to save all of them she does save herself and liam similarly she chooses to save kavax and to actively fight for a position within his household Moreover, even knowing her culpability, she surrenders to the watch and actively assists the investigation into Ephraim, despite knowing that she'll likely be prosecuted. This capacity for active decision-making is even more pronounced in Dark Age. This could be viewed as a mere consequence of being empowered by Figment, but I would argue that this upgrade merely enhances a resilience that was already there. Is she a perfect character? No. However, I think that she offers an interesting parallel to Darrow, they're both reds from the mines of Mars. They are both artificially augmented to become physically more than they were. They both spent time in isolation and emerged reborn. The difference here is that Darrow chose his path. He had something to fight for. In contrast, Lyria had no grand plan beyond survival. I think it'll be interesting to see what she will become in book six now that she has a sense of her own agency, a support network, and a specific goal. Take care and best wishes, Nick. Yes, Nick. I love that there's parallels between her and Darrow and and more than just that they were reds on Mars. Right. This is a really great email. I love the idea that we could see some of these traits in her. And I think we kind of touched on that a little bit early on in her character. But she was kind of just being swept along. But we do see her like making those little decisions along the way, still doing the right thing at the right time when it's asked of her and now that she's able to like fully be in control and she's got some like physical upgrades, um, seeing her feel empowered and be empowered physically. I wonder where she's going to go from there. So, uh, those, those were some really great points and I do agree with you. I love the comparison to Darrow. I love Nick. I just want to repeat that. (laughs) Nick is awesome. Period. Nick told me that if we come to England, that we can stay with him. So 
buckle up once they let Americans out of America again. See you in a couple of years. <laughs> once, <laughs> once other countries let us back in, <laughs> then we can go stay with Nick. Perfect. The next email is from Maya Austin, one of our resident howler artists. Fantastic artist. Fantastic handle is at where daydreamers go underscore art. Um, and she's got a great uh, page with, with things outside of Red Rising. But I think that she's got one of the best Lyrias that I've seen. That most recent Lyria piece that she did is, I think, my favorite depiction of Lyria that I've seen. Yeah, she posted it in August. And yeah. that's kind of where I got the idea for Amandla uh, for the casting was from Maya's art. Because um, I think it's so spot on for how I picture Lyria. So mm -hmm. Maya says, hey, Ben and Aaron, what's up? That's not what she says. <laughs> Maya says, here's my case for why Lyria is prime. We get the vote at the beginning. Um, in your last episode, you discussed the idea that Ephraim's character arc took him from pixie to prime. I completely agree with this and want to add that Lyria begins her arc outside of this framework completely. The prime pixie metric prioritizes personal agency and how and why each character uses or withholds it when they could otherwise act. Early Lyria, on the other hand, is at the constant mercy of her circumstances. Almost every decision, a reaction to a more potent character's attack, mistake, or manipulation. She is the human evidence of the Republic's failings and reading her trauma and understandable rage at characters we've only viewed as heroes can be painful and even alienating when coming fresh from the first trilogy. But Lyria's rage, while it has driven her to do and say hurtful things, has never outweighed her compassion, and that compassion is where her agency eventually stems from. Despite her dislike of the Sovereign, Lyria chose to face punishment and return to Virginia to help her recover the children. And despite her resentment of the lionized heroes of the Republic, she rescued Kavax from drowning immediately after surviving the genocide of her clan. Her actions in the magnificent Red Hand arc, which I used to credit as the start of her growth, were a natural extension of her bravery and altruism in Iron Gold. And again, they came from the compassionate desire to help others regardless of her previous prejudices or the limits of her own abilities. And she probably has the most limits of any key player in the entire series. She is small, marginalized, and inexperienced. She takes on the red hand with her wits, her guts, a malfunctioning implant, and a set of acid teeth. She is the closest to showing the positive impact that a single, untrained, unaltered red can make not just through her own achievements, but through her ability to mobilize others to achieve greatness too. Through her, the other genocide survivors worked together to rescue Kavax, the Red Bride successfully fought their enslavement, and even Volga and Victra, two amazing prime women in their own right, could rely on her in moments of defeat. The fact that both women claimed Lyria as family by the end shows just how important she has become to them. And honestly, it's hard to argue with those two. In short, if anyone has risen to become prime, it's Lyria of Lagalos. Oh man, email. That, that email gave me chills and uh. I got a little emotional. <laughs> Could you tell I was getting emotional? Well captured, Maya. I feel inspired. <laughs> the, Maya, man, you really got me riled up. 
Maya did specifically message us and ask like, what's the deadline? I got to get in on this one. So she, I feel like she was, that was coming from the heart this time. You fucking nailed it, dude. That was the whole episode. Thanks, Maya. <laughs> yeah. We should have just had her. Do See this. you next week. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's hear from Colin. He says, let me just say that Iron Gold was my favorite book, which doesn't seem to be very popular opinion. <laughs> <laughs> Colin with the hot take. I like it, Colin. I support it. I love Iron Gold, too. He says, having new narrators and perspectives and trying to work out the ways they would all collide was really fun for me. Lyria's story was no exception. Imagining how she would make it from those gold, awful slums to the central plot seemed impossible until Big Daddy Kavak showed up. <laughs> Big Daddy! Big Daddy. <laughs> I will concede that I didn't like her narration as much as the others, but I don't think she deserves the amount of hate she gets. I think it's easy to empathize with her perspective as her situation um, debatably got worse after being freed from the mines. It would be easy to feel like the movement had carried on while leaving those who began it in the slums. Prime or Pixie? Prime. I don't think her bravery and fortitude can be character traits of a Pixie, though she can be pretty whiny. <laughs> also, she's got the powers of Fig now, so there's a good chance she'll be whipping major ass in book six. Yes. Overall, while not necessarily the most exciting in her own right, her perspective is valuable and is a conduit for a banging subplot. Bang it. Well said, Colin. Colin with the hot take. Our last email is from Liz. Low Howlers, I had to write in for the Lyria episode because my husband and I have some crazy predictions that are honestly probably better suited for Ben's conspiracy <laughs> corner. Let's break it out, Liz. I'm here for you. Liz, <laughs> Ben is very excited. Liz says, my husband is convinced that the mind's eye is just a more sophisticated version of figment. He thinks figment was a prototype for the mind's eye. I'm less convinced, but if you entertain the theory, there could be some excellent possibilities. If both Lysander and probably also Atlas have the mind's eye, what's to say that this isn't technology based instead of purely a mind superpower? If that's the case, then we also think that Pax might have the new slash best version of the mind of the figment mind's eye technology based on how Mustang talks about raising him to be an ally and her work with the psycho spikes or Pax could just be that cool on his own shrugs. But before I really get down to the conspiracy rabbit hole, get it rabbit <laughs> <laughs> to bring it back to Lyria. I think it's really interesting to imagine what a Lyria versus Lysander fight or a Lyrian Pax versus Lysander fight could look like if Figment and the Mind's Eye have similar origins. Hmm. That's especially true if Lyria and Pax go to Oculus and find out all the secrets that are there. I think Lyria has the most potential out of any of the new characters to completely change the course of the Red Rising universe, and I'm really hoping to see her newly found badassery get put to use in the next book. After she helped free the girls from the red hand and take out Harmony, she totally went from pixie to prime for me. Thanks, Liz. She just launched us directly into the conspiracy corner. I have never thought that, but that is very interesting. It's fun to think about. Put your tinfoil hat on and it starts to make sense. <laughs> like in the Truman Show. <laughs> 
I love it. Keep the conspiracy corner alive. What do you think? Do you think it has any merit? I think that there's some fun possibilities there. I I am more convinced that the mind's eye is like having a fucked up childhood. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think it's like purely more mind based because it seems like something that you would need to learn. And I'm pretty convinced that like why Sander and Atlas are the only people that are capable of it. But um, it is a huge secret. And you know how Octavia was with her secrets. like Yeah. We did talk about that a little bit, like whether Apple wanting it was something where he could just like pluck it out of Lysander's head. You know? That'd be convenient yeah. for Apple. <laughs> and for us. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's something there. There's something there there. And what if Quicksilver was, you know, had heard about the Mind's Eye and he wanted to replicate it maybe oh. in some way? And so he created so maybe the parasite. It's not um, the mind's eye, but it's related in that it came after. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, Liz, you're opening my mind to new possibilities. I love it. I've got my tinfoil hat on. I just broke it out. I'm you gonna look start thinking all ridiculous. Kinds of <laughs> I'm gonna start thinking about all the different possibilities here. All right, let's go ahead and switch over to the voicemail. We've got Ryan from New Jersey is back with his, another great voicemail. Let's hear it. What's up, Pod? Ryan from NJ again. Lyria is prime, or rather, she became prime. When we first meet Lyria in Iron Gold, I was worried that Pierce might have given us a shallow character as our first female POV. She plays a vital role, showing that the rising wasn't necessarily great for every red, but she has very little agency during this book. Things just keep happening to her without her being able to affect the plot. I remember that many Red Rising fans did not like her, some of which even preferred Lysander. And then Dark Age came out. I was a bit worried at first because in the beginning, we see her struggling to get out of a supposedly easy cell. But man, did she make up for it once she inherited Figment's... Figment. Is she Figment now? What is the deal with that exactly? I don't know. Uh, Lyria proved herself to be resourceful, cunning, and gritty. The power trio of her, Victra, and Volga took down the Red Hand from the inside, pretty much the only success for the good guys in the most recent book. Lyria Olagalos is ruthless. I remember retching when hearing the description of what happened to that guy she spat acid on. Brutal. I guess there's a question that this raises, though. Where would Lyria be without Figment? To me, she'd still be a great character, but Figment just helped her to realize her potential. Lyria's takedown of Harmony and the Red Hand was some of the best chapters in the book because Lyria made them. Darrow may be the Sword of the Rising and Mustang may be the Brains, but Lyria is its conscience. If she buys in, then the Rising has succeeded. Thanks for listening to me again. Hail Libertas. Excellent voicemail, Ryan. Thanks, I'm, Ryan from New Jersey. I really love that idea that... <laughs> Lyria is the conscience of the rising. And if she is on board, then you know you're going in the right direction. And then I thought you made a great another great point, Ryan, when you said her and the gals, this trio. The gals. They're really the only ones that deliver like some positive chapters. I mean, I guess, you know, like it's a, a it's still dark, obviously. It's still <laughs> extremely dark. Uh, you know, there's like the baby dying and the you know forced marriage rape situation going on which yeah, is tough that whole sitch but you know 
most of those people get acid spat on them. So great. That's cool. Revenge story. <laughs> and then the rest pretty much get extremely fucked up by a very righteous mother in Victra. So, you know, they get what's coming, at least. But I would agree we get a little breath of fresh air from the lady gang. Yeah. Great uh, voicemail. Great points, Ryan. Thank you for calling in. I think we've got one more voicemail. Hello, Howlers. This is Rachel B. Um, I'm calling in to give you guys some thoughts on Lyria. Um, the first, and it, well, first off, in Iron Gold, I hated her. Thought she was horrible. Thought she was a whiny, spoiled little brat. And that she was just really coming down way too hard on my favorite people um, until we got to Dark Age. And then, you know, in the chapters with the three girls um, kicking ass and taking names, you know, minus the baby into this incident. R.I.P. Ulysses, pour one out for the homie. Um, that's when I kind of really got a feel for her and I started liking her more. But honestly, after doing a couple rereads, I have a much better appreciation for Lyria. Um, I had to kind of check myself and my my privilege to think that, like, okay, these people who were uprooted, their whole life was flipped, turned upside down. And, like, even though they're free, like, yay, I'm free, but, like, now what? I'm free. I don't have any education. I don't have any money. I don't have anywhere to live. Um, I don't have any resources. So it's like, even though, like, yay, for you guys, you freed me, but you all you did was free me to, to do nothing. I don't have any skills outside of what I was bred to do. And then it's like, you want me to, you know, give you flowers and give you a pat on the back because of this great deed that you did. And of course, everything can't fall to Darrow. It's going to have to be a system, a, a actual systemic um, over. They're going to have to redo every fucking thing because um, the way the system is set up, it's not set up for people of the different colors to do anything different. But with that mindset, it made me really look at her story and have a lot more compassion and um, empathy because she lost her entire family. She was put into a situation with the gold, um, with people that she hated, you know, or feared all of this time. And she finally, you know, had Kavak and he was nice to her and he made her feel differently. But she was in this place with these people that she was super intimidated. So then she got, you know, our good sad boy, Ephraim, who totally took advantage of her being so naive and just wanting a friend. And it just, I don't feel like that she is a, she doesn't get enough credit for being a regular person around all these fucking giants and holding her own and actually becoming a power player. Like even before the whole figment thing, she was starting to come into her own. And I really appreciate that about Larry. And I cannot wait to find out what is going to happen with her and Volga. I know they're going to fucking kill that bastard of a man who took our sad boy from us. And I love this pod. I can't wait to hear more from you guys. And you just keep up the great work. Thank you, Rachel B. Thanks, Rachel, for calling in. Great voicemail. I feel like we were on the same page with her. I do, too. We really mind melded. I think most of us are on the same page. We really mind melded. Okay. Thank you to all our howlers this week for calling in and writing in. We got a great turnout for Lyria. Oh my gosh, I love it. And it seems like the convince the consensus was Pixie at the beginning, prime by the end. And I feel like we came to the same decision, but now we have to put it in stone. Aaron, 
Lyria, Prime or Pixie? I think Lyria is Prime. I agree. And I agree with our Howlers, especially. She really had a journey. A journey of growth. Although Maya was a little more kind to Lyria about uh, (laughs) not having her own agency, which I do agree with as well. But I will say, personally, I thought she was annoying. (laughs) Um, Maybe it's because of the audiobook, but she definitely grew into Prime for me, just like a lot of the Howlers have said today. Right. And I'm going to cement my ruling as Prime as well. So congratulations, Lyria. And I predict she will get primer and primer (laughs) the longer we read. Sounds good. You know what it's time for? What are we into this week? Erin, you can go first. Thanks. So I'm doing a pretty extensive New Girl rewatch. Wow. Um, It's a great show to rewatch. This is the first time I have rewatched it. But it's a show from 2011 to 2018. Um, it's it's kind of like Friends, you know, kooky gang, living in a loft together, um, modern day Friends, but almost like more innocent, maybe not more innocent. But Zoe Deschanel is adorable. It's a, just a feel-good show if you haven't watched it. Um, it's it's a great, like, background show. Mm-hmm. You know, if yeah, you it's like, like a comfort watch. If you want to put it on, play some Sims on your, you know, <laughs> on the side. Is that what you're doing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's Barbecuing some Sims while def- watching New, <laughs> New Girl. Definitely. So, <laughs> if you don't know what New Girl is, you can watch it on Netflix. It's very fun and cute. It's silly, um, with a lot of heart, and I really love it. And it puts me in a good mood. And you know, it's getting really fucking cold here in Kansas. Sometimes you need New Girl. Put you in a good mood. Yeah, we've had a real aggressive, <laughs> aggressive weather week. <laughs> weather week here. It's not even Halloween. <laughs> it's been tough. Uh, ben, what are you into this week? I'm into a movie. It's called Save Yourselves. Okay. <laughs> With an exclamation point. Oh, that's why you said it like that. <laughs> yes. So uh, this movie I rented off of iTunes pretty much purely off of the synopsis and the cast and it was a great decision really loved this movie so the story of the movie is it's about like this like new york hipster couple uh that's you know kind of in a situation where we all find ourselves in life sometimes where they're just like really into their technology and they've been doing the same thing a lot and, you know, they're trying to figure out what's going on in their life, trying to figure out where they want to do, where they belong. And they're just all like super addicted to their phones and stuff. So they decide to go to a cabin and unplug for an entire week. Well, during this week. That's when the hijinks ensue. The hijinks ensue and aliens invade the planet. Perfect. And so then. Anything with aliens, <laughs> sign me up. <laughs> so they have to like save themselves um and there's a whole alien invasion going on um so it starts out as like the super relatable movie where you're like oh man i really see myself in these characters and i would like to be able to do that go away to like a nice cabin hang out for a week or whatever find myself and then once the aliens evade it kind of switches up and um it's still really funny but 
there starts to be more like heart involved, more drama. And then by the end, it gets kind of like ex- existential and um, dramatic. And it has a really cool kind of opaque and en- enigmatic ending that I really enjoyed. Nice. Um, and the cast is really good. If you watched my previous suggestion, Search Party, mm-hmm. um, it stars one of the actors in that. His name is John Reynolds, and he is hilarious. He's like the reason I watched the movie. Um, I thought he was really funny. And then the girl that he, his girlfriend, her name is Sunita Mani, and she's in... Um, Glow, if you've watched that. She's one of the wrestling girls in Glow. Oh, yeah. Um, and then it has a lot. Just also like a, a great show. It has a lot of great um, characters. Um, if you watched High Maintenance, which is another uh, show that we've suggested here, the the guy makes an appearance as well. Okay. From High Maintenance. And so it's just a really great the cast. Guy. Yeah. <laughs> he actually ends up having a name. Yeah, it's Ben. Was it Ben? Yeah. <laughs> I just remember they s- he always had a name. I was like, oh, wow. And a sister. Was that a spoiler? Uh, Whatever. Yeah. So anyway, um, really great movie. It's like an hour and a half. It's a great little watch. You can rent it on iTunes on Apple. That's where I got it. I'm sure you can probably rent it other places too. And uh, I would highly suggest it. It's a cool little hipster watch for you. Such a hipster. Yeah. All right, save yourselves and new girl. What's coming up next, Ben? We're getting evil next week. Ooh. You're going to have to pee on somebody next week. Can do. <laughs> right. We are studying the Grimace family. Oh, yeah. So that's going to be Atalantia, Ajax, Aja. And there's a few more. Probably a little bit of Ash Lord. A little bit of Moira. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit Moira in there. I'm going to mostly be talking about Moira next week. Extensive character study on Moira. Buckle up. <laughs> but yeah, so get your emails and your voicemails in on the Grimace family. I feel like this is going to be a good one. We haven't talked about <laughs> some evil peeps in a while. Was that evil enough? That was pretty evil. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Etsy. Check out our Etsy store. We had a few orders for some Hallerpod tees. I'm currently wearing one. They look great. Why don't you put yours on, Ben? They look great. Email us at Hallerpod at gmail.com to talk about the Grimace family. Which one's your favorite? Hey, do you like nuking planets? Um, Tell us about it. Hey, do you like um, dying in your bed with Darrow and Severo and... Apple talking to you? <laughs> Getting lit on fire? Tell us about that. Hey, do you like wearing snakes as boas? That's pretty cool. Do you like having sex with your <laughs> kind of nephew? Ben. <laughs> do you like being in a Britney Spears I'm a Slave for You music video? Tell us about it. <laughs> Hallerpod at gmail.com. Leave a voicemail. 1-800-516-1540. Um, find links to all of us at hallerpod.com. Rate and review us. Five stars only. If you don't give us five stars only, then we'll spit acid on your face. And then you won't have a face. Seems pretty threatening. So then you can't vote anymore. <laughs> oh, speaking of voting, 
Everyone get your votes in. <laughs> November 3rd, coming soon. This is for our United States howlers. <laughs> all right. Thank you to Heather, our wise and wonderful researcher, for all her hard work researching the characters and their historical connections. And thank you to Miles <laughs> for the kick-ass, amazing, wonderful episode art. Way to go. Miles, you're the goat. Thank you, howlers. Omnisphere lupus. Ow! Oh!